Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, Maximum Octane. This is your host, Kim Hickey, recording live from uh, Fajardo, which I just understand I'm not saying it right. I'm supposed to roll the R, and I don't know how to... For Hardo, I don't know. For Hardo, maybe somebody can write in Howard. Give me a phonetic spelling. So I, I, I am happy to be here. It's, it's a beautiful location. I'm gonna try to figure out if I can just start doing this from outside because it's really spectacular here. So joining me this morning is Mr. Al Sutherland, and he is a dear friend and. Uh, just a wonderful person, a business owner, all all around, great guy, and um, very happy to have you here, Al. Well, nice to be here, Kim. And Al owns Al's Certified Auto Repair in what town? Augusta, Maine. Augusta. I knew the Maine. And Al, Al is very crafty, just in case people know. He made this amazing thing. His 20 group people are coming to visit, and he made these amazing like lobster baskets that out of wood and stained them and they were just fabulous. So <laughs> glad you liked it. I did. Al, how long have you had your business for? Uh, we started business in 2001. So coming up on 23 years. And what made you decide to start the business? I realized as a technician, I can only help, you know, four or five customers a day. As a service writer, I can help maybe 10 or 15, depending on how many techs I had under me. As a service manager, I could help, you know, 15, 20. But as a business manager, I could help as many people as I wanted to, as, as big as I wanted to make my business, and as many people as I wanted to employ, I could help that many people to um, not have any problems with car repairs or to at least make the experience a little bit more comfortable for them. Okay, that's pretty awesome. You do help a lot of people, and I know that it's very important to you to train and mentor people, and as I would like to say in the business, grow your own and, and bring them up. And, but with that comes a lot of challenges, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, we, we have a, an in-house apprentice program at our shop, and um, we constantly have somebody in that program. And the reason we do that is because we never know what's going to happen. Life is going to happen, and people are going to leave, and um, some people are going to make it, some people aren't. So we try to always have somebody in that apprentice program. I mean, ATI always talks about building your bench. And we sort of think of that more often as experienced people to come in and plug and play. Um, I think of that more as having the farm team, building them, growing them. Now they're on my bench. And now if I have an opening within my organization, I can take somebody from that bench or that farm team and I can plug them right in. And um, they have the same culture that we do. They have the same engagement level that we have. And um, it makes for a much more seamless 
plug-in. And if I hire somebody from outside the organization, and I think many of us know those super A technicians sometimes have a little bit of an attitude. They bring a lot of baggage with them. And uh, that can disrupt your team dramatically if they don't fit in really well. We actually just did an episode earlier this week on the the, the ATEX and the prima donna, <laughs> the NY, and how much of it's our fault that they are like that and how, you know, like where does the, how do we stop stop that cycle? And, and I think with anybody you're bringing in from the outside, one of the biggest mistakes I see is when business owners, regardless of what industry, they hire somebody that's experienced, that's been in the business for years. They don't give them the same training as they do somebody that doesn't. And that's such a huge mistake because it doesn't matter how many years they've been doing it. They're not doing it your way. They're not doing it Al's way. They're not doing it the way to follow your mission and vision and all of that. So you have to treat everybody coming in, whether they're experienced or not, like they're brand new, brand new to what they're doing, brand new and in teach them the way we do it without the baggage, without the other, you know, things that they've learned at other places that are not good. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. I mean, when, when we have a new technician come in or when we're looking at them, and, 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 and excuse me, this is, this is uh, I think, vitally important to our organization. We don't hire people. When we go through the interview process, there's one leg in the interview process where um, and we're a small enough shop so we can do this, but everybody on my team gets to interview that new person, whether it be a service advisor, a service manager, a technician, a shuttle driver, whatever it is. They all have an opportunity to interview that individual. And it's just a five, 10 minute interview that they do. And then we all get together and I get everybody's opinion, whether they think this person is going to fit into our team, whether they have the same culture we do, whether they think they're going to be engaged like we are, whether there's going to be some type of conflict. Now, it doesn't mean anybody on my team has veto power, but I take their input very important. And uh, I I place a lot of um, importance on that. And as a result of that, I think we make better hires. So then we offer an invitation. Would you like to come to work for us? Would you like to join our team? And uh, I think that's a little bit different way to approach it as opposed to hiring somebody. So everybody gets that input and then we hire them. And then once they come on board, they kind of know that we're different from everybody else. So when I ask that A technician, well, I need you to sit down here and and, uh, take this video on how to operate a lift. They don't necessarily look at me with those big, strange eyes and go, dude, I'm a master technician. They understand that it's because we're different than everybody else. We want everybody to do everything exactly the same way. And um, so I think that's helped us along the way as we grow. So setting up the expectation before you invite them to come and become part of the Alice yep. family. Yep. That's awesome. How do you, because I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing and I've seen it work very well when you have that team interviewing and somebody knows and it totally removes the, would you handle that girl for, would you handle yeah. that guy, right? And all of that. But I've also seen it work in the opposite where it's almost like a mob mentality and there's such a tight click. That everybody that comes to interview, they're like, no, they're not going to fit. No, they're not. If they're even slightly different. How do you balance that? How do you teach your team to balance and say, listen, this isn't about a popularity thing and there might be things you don't like. But overall, do they have the same vision that we do? Do they understand? I, I think I think that goes from setting that same expectation that you talked about when you're hiring or asking somebody to join our team. Um, and that is that. Everybody on the team knows that they don't get veto power. 
So if, if, if I'm interested in this candidate or my service manager is really interested in this candidate, they know that the team interview doesn't come at the beginning. It comes when we're just about ready to hire somebody. And so we want them to interview and talk to them and then present what they have. So they know that if we get to this point, there's a good chance we're hiring this person. And unless they were to find something catastrophic, then we're hiring this person. So, so I don't tend to get the mob mentality as you, as you described it. But also our team is very diverse. I mean, they're all different. I mean, we've got some guys that do nothing with, with uh, cars at all when they're away from the shop. They're just, they're technicians at the shop. And away from the shop, they're, 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 they're coaches, they're anything but cars. So they're not gearheads. And then we have gearheads in the shop who their entire life revolves around nothing but cars. They go from, from work to their garage at home where they work on their race car. They work on some uh, project car that they have going on. Or in some cases, although I don't like it, some of them do homework. You know, they have, they have, they have a little side business that they do for friends and family. But um, so I think with that diversity we have in the shop, and the understanding that they do not get veto power and that we are pretty much to the end of the hiring process or the invitation process, that um, it eliminates that um, mob mentality, as you described it, where they're all coming together saying, no, no, we don't like the person, get rid of them, blah, 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 and that kind of stuff. You just mentioned doing things for friends and family, a little bit like a, a hobby or whatever. That's something that I think there's a, it's almost like the, do you hang the toilet paper over the front or the back? <laughs> it's very divisive in amongst business owners of any kind, whether it's a baker, whether it's, you know, automotive, anything of when somebody is doing quote unquote side work or doing things on the side, what led you to the decision to embrace that instead of saying, no, we don't do that here. Well, uh, I, I won't say I've necessarily embraced it. I just know that it's a real part of our industry. Um, you have a skill um, that would be like having somebody who works at a greenhouse not being allowed to have a garden at home. You know, these people, our, t- our team members, they love, they have a passion for what they do, and they're very good at it. So the fact that they want to utilize that skill at home is okay. But the key part of that is at home. They're not allowed to bring in side work into the shop. They're not allowed to bring in side work on the weekends or anything else like that. They are more than welcome to work on, you know, family cars. And I'm talking about under the same rooftop and we'll let them, we'll let them come in on, on a Saturday or something like that. Cause we're not open on that, you know, on Saturday right. or Sunday and we'll let them come and do that. But the big thing for us was not so much trying to dissuade them from doing that. Cause it's like our kids. I mean, you tell your kids not to do something, <laughs> what do they do? They want to do it even more. So, so we, we just understand what's going on. They, they, we, we don't allow them to buy parts on our account. So, you know, if they're going to get a discount, it's going to be on their own merit from the vendors. Uh, we just keep it totally separate from what we, what we do. They don't have access to our information systems to, uh, to help them. They have to know what they're doing. And, um, you know, it, it's just part of our business. I, I don't think, I, I think if you try to dissuade it, I think you're just barking up the wrong tree. I think you're asking for conflict. You're asking for a technician to leave at some point, uh, make them disgruntled. They just want to you know, do what they like to do. They, 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 and in our case, if you think about it, they're doing exactly what I did when I started the business. I wanted to help people. If I take that away from them, aren't I kind of being two-faced? You know, the very thing that started my business 
is the very thing that the reason that they do it, which is the very reason I hired them or asked them to join our team in the first place. So I love that. And again, it's about setting that expectations that, you know, here's, here's, we, you know, we're not going to tell you can't do that, but here's the parameters. Yep. You're not going to order things. And, and that's one of the things I see. For some reason, a lot of business owners just really shy away from expectations and accountability. And then they they don't understand why things go haywire. And then why somebody's running up their charge account and not paying them and they got to deduct it every week out of their check. Right. And just you just you set the expectation and you say, here's how we handle this. I had just a funny story. What, years ago, in when I first started the business, one of my technicians was doing a lot of side work and at, at the time I didn't care. And then um, I, I started getting phone calls at my shop from his disgruntled, dissatisfied side job customers. And I was furious and I would be like, I'm sorry that this doesn't have anything to do with me. You have to call him on it. Well, yeah. he's not answering me. I said, that's you, you between. And then I kept saying to him, like, you cannot have your people calling me. You cannot. And then finally he's like, I can't stop them. I said, you can't. So I went out there and I gave him my phone bill. It was like $500. And I said, you know, you owe me $250. He was like, what? And I said, you're, I'm getting as much calls for you as I am for, you know, so we're going to split the phone bill going forward and whatever. And I didn't get any phone calls again, but this was a crazy, and I just couldn't even believe that a consumer or friend or family member would call someone's place of business to do that. It just, it was crazy. People, people just don't understand. People always amazed. So. I, yeah. <laughs> it just I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so this, you have to have that. And I saw a McDonald's ad, and I don't know if I talked to you about it on here yet or not, but one of the things, if you read this McDonald's ad and take out McDonald's, you would think they're, this is for like a really big Fortune 500 company, which I guess McDonald's yeah, yeah. is, but, a, you know, not a fast food chain and, one of the things in there was about meals and you get meals and, and other things. And they actually put a dollar amount on it because whatever it, they get free lunch every day. But when you think about all the things that we do like that, and we don't put that in anything that we put out there, like you have, you know, we pay for $500 of meals a year or something. And, yeah. one, and one of the things was there was a discount for family members to come in and eat, which I know that a lot of shops allow their text to work on family cars. But again, we don't put anything out there when we're talking about recruiting of we allow you to do this as a benefit. We just assume. So so those things that you do, you have to get that out there. And, and hopefully you're building the culture where people are going out there and telling other people for you and, and bragging about that. Yep. And that's attractive. So all of these years of business with any business, there's a lot of ups and downs. What do you think the biggest... <laughs> What do you think the biggest lesson you've learned so far is? Um, wow, that's that's a that's really a tough one. I, I think the the biggest lesson that I learned, and and when I first got in this business, I didn't have it. Was I learned patience, and I know that's maybe a little bit counterintuitive because we're always under the gun, we're always under the pressure, we're always having things go awry, and I think this is one of the reasons we have success in our apprentice program is part of the, the, the training costs that I have in the apprentice program are misdiags, broken parts, broken jobs from my apprentices. 
Now they're under supervision and stuff like that, but there comes points where you start to say, well, geez, they're doing really good at that break job and they've really got it under control. And then you let them go on one by themselves and uh, it may come back for something, you know, whatever it might be, broken spring, who knows, whatever. And a lot of people would get upset. They would get angry with the, the technician for letting them do that. Um, but I've learned to sort of, as part of the patience is to take that back as my responsibility I may have pushed this person a little bit faster than they were really ready for. But frankly, I've already paid for the lesson. Why would I get rid of the guy now? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 mean I, I just paid for that part of his schooling. So, you know, I mean, we had a technician uh, a, um, who's in the second year program, and um, he was doing some work on a, a Toyota. And uh, unfortunately, the engine blew up. You know, I mean, he had an oil, oil problem, a leak after he did some work. And, uh, the customer didn't pay attention, and we wound up eating the motor. And that was the first thing. He came into my office, um, and he sat down. And he says, um, you know, I'll pack my tools up, and I'll, I'll, I'll be gone. I said, why would you leave? He said, well, he said, you know, I, I blew up the motor. And this speaks to the culture that we have. I mean, here's somebody who's taking full responsibility for what he had done. And he came into my office, and, and, and I used that, the, the, those very words. I said, why would I get rid of you now? I just paid $4,500 for your schooling. <laughs> you know, just don't let it happen again. Right. And he was amazed and he's now been with me for over 10 years. And, you know, I, I think that's the thing is sometimes we make knee jerk reactions to problems in the shop. And the best thing that I can, I've found to do is step back, maybe even wait till the next day and then come in and talk to the person and, and sort of figure out what happened. You know, we, we you know, ATIs, you know, talks all the time about, you know, I couldn't care less why it happened. How do we prevent it from happening in the future? What did you learn from it? Did you learn from it? And obviously with this young man, he learned from it. And we've benefited from that $4,500 lesson 10, times more than that in the fact that he's been with us for 10 years now. So um, that's the biggest thing, learn patience and, um, don't don't make those quick snap decisions. Patience is a tough one. It really is. And besides patience, you're a perfectionist. I mean, you have, <laughs> you hold yourself to a very high standard. We do. Yeah. And even personally. Yeah. And so I know you don't do anything unless it's check, double check, <laughs> triple check, perfect. And and you put everything you have into everything that you do. How do you find the grace to understand that? Everyone is not maybe a perfectionist. And yes, they have to do it right. And yes, they have to, but they're not you. Again, it, 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 it's, it's so tough. I mean, I, I, have, I have a wonderful wife who is a great sounding board for me. And I can talk to her and tell her what's going on. I have a really good team around me. And they sometimes can tell when I'm really upset or... or, or it's like, it's like, why? That, that shouldn't have happened. Why did that Why did that car leave with that grease mark on it? And I know that's very, very small in the eyes of the whole picture of what we do. But I can't have that happen. And they know, and they'll, and, and, and some of my texts will just run out and take care of something if there's a problem. And they'll come back to me and talk, hey, we got to take care of. But I, I, I don't know that I've ever really learned how to deal with it or handle it because I, I will go into my office, I will close the door, and just leave me alone. 
don't don't call me. Don't send. Yeah, me like all. a diffuser and some, yeah. like <laughs> some, like um. I, I, I wish I did. Maybe I should. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just have to have 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 the resolve to just remove yourself from the situation, which is so hard to do because I I, I don't I don't accept failure. I don't accept not doing something correctly the first time. So I just have to, I, I have to walk away. I mean, I, I have a place down back of my shop out under the pine trees where I'll just, I'll leave the building. I'll go out there and I'll just stand under the pine trees um, because the pine trees <laughs> hang down towards the ground and nobody can see me, I think. And um, you, you just, it, it, it's, it's, it's the serenity prayer, you know, and um, uh, you know, I have it, I have it on my whiteboard in my office, you know, uh, grant me the patience to understand the things I can change and the knowledge. No, I can't. And, you know, all of that stuff. And, and it's like, I can't change it. It's done. We fixed it. <laughs> now I'll go back. And then, then, then after that time away, after that time of decompression, then I can go back and I can say, Hey, look, this is not how we do things. And I can have the conversation, but it, it, t- it takes, it takes all my energy. I mean, some days when that happens, and it doesn't happen very often, thank goodness, because I do have a great team, but sometimes I just have to leave for the day after that because it's just taking so much energy out of me to not blow up, not go off the handle with somebody um, because that doesn't solve any problems either. I think you can also swing back to the setting the expectations with some of those little things because I think a lot of times we assume as business owners Again, regardless of what industry, that somebody's not going to walk over a piece of paper on the floor or not going to leave a handprint on something, whether you're a house cleaner or whatever. And we just assume, especially when they come with experience, <laughs> and then it's just like they they do something and they're like, what's the big deal? And it's yeah. like, what, what? What do you mean it's a big deal? I had one time a loop tech and he was being trained doing and I came walking out in the shop for something and there was, had to be... I don't know, 20 little pieces of paper all over the floor in the shop. And I was like, what is that? He's like, it's the back of the loop stickers. Cause everybody was having them, you know, write them. And I was like, what the heck are they doing on the floor? He's like, well, I, I just, I'm thrown in there all day and I'll pick them up at the end of the day. And I'm like, you absolutely will not be throwing them on that. And I just could not even believe like someone would do that. And I, I never thought that that is an expectation. I've said that when you peel the sticker off the back, it goes in a garbage can. I, who knew that you had to tell someone that, right? But at the previous place that he was, that's what they did. And they would all, you know, sweep them up and pick them up and marvel at what a mess the floor was. And, but, but I never, it was, it had to come back on me because I never said to him or had the person training him say, when we peel off the label, we put it in a garbage can. Yeah. I, 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 and I think you hit it right on the head there, setting the expectation. And, and the realization that no matter what happens in, in our shop, no matter what it is, whether the back of the oil stickers are on the floor, whether they walk over a piece of paper, whether they don't do an oil change the way it should be done, it all falls back on me as the owner of the company. Um, because if I have not set the expectations, if I haven't taken the, the time to write my SOPs correctly, if I haven't set all of that stuff in place, it's ultimately my fault. And I think that maybe, and maybe that comes back to your question of, 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 of when something doesn't go right. Maybe that's what I lean back on is the fact that it, it, it's my fault. 
you know, that it happened that way. And maybe that's why it can be now, because I wasn't always this way. Maybe that's why now I can be, be so patient with my apprentices is because I've come to the realization that no matter what happens, it's me. And um, uh, it doesn't mean some part of my team didn't fall short. But did they fall short because I didn't set the right expectation? Did I not give them the right tools to accomplish the task the way I wanted it? But ultimately, it comes back to me. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from that. That's a tough one to learn. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, I've been in the business now for 40 years, so I can, uh, and, and, and it's only right this moment that I just sort of figured out that maybe that's why I'm able to be patient because I learned it. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad you could have an epiphany on Maximum Octane now. It's, and I love the conversations too. And somebody like leaves a mess, you know, somewhere and I'm like, do you do this at home? And they say, yeah. Oh, oh, I, all right. I didn't. And then you get invited to their kid's birthday party and you see, oh, now I understand. It makes sense. I completely understand why this is how they are at work. You know, so I was like, you you can't just assume everybody takes care of their stuff and and has good habits at home that will transfer over to. Exactly. I mean, we we have to, you know, take them under and almost treat them as if they're our kids. Um, because we wouldn't accept those behaviors from our children. And sometimes we just have to re-educate um, these people into, this is not normal society. This, you know, you don't, you don't let the oil bucket drain on the ground. You don't, you know, leave your, your floor dry all over the place. You don't leave oil pads everywhere. You don't, no, no, this doesn't happen. And you have to just educate them with your expectations. And that's really what it boils down to. And nothing is too simple. I think that's where the biggest yeah. downfall is. Some things we don't think to articulate and, and train them on and set the expectation because we think this is so simple, like, like turning off a light, What you know, at the end of the day or whatever. We just think people will do or wipe off the fingerprint or anything. It doesn't matter how <clears throat> tiny of a of a process or job it is, we have to tell them this is exactly how it gets done because they, it, it never stops to shock me how people do things. Well, it, it, <laughs> it's, fun, it's funny you bring up lights. We, we over the last 10 years have embarked on, on making our building much more energy efficient. So everything in our building is LED, you know, use heat pumps and stuff like that. So, I mean, we've done everything. We replaced the roof and put new air conditioning and air conditioning and heating in the building and all that other stuff for the technicians. And I would inevitably go to the parts department or to, to some of the, the tool room and stuff like that, and the lights would always be on. Nobody's in there. And, and we'd have the conversation you just had about turning off the lights and stuff like that. It got so bad that finally I went in, I had my electrician come in, all the lights now are on motion sensors. <laughs> so, so there's no more turning on or off. They do it automatically. Because some things you just can't teach people to do. They're just not going to turn the lights off. So there's a tool which we can use to get by that. And that's what we did. We just eliminated it from our problems. I love that you said that because I think sometimes too, we, we draw a line in the sand and it's like, that's it. And there's some things that you don't have to. And like you said, you found a tool, you found a solution. I have those at my house yeah. so, and they're pretty inexpensive to put in. So if that saves you the headache and the electric bill and the of everyday stressing and being so upset that somebody's not turning off the light and then having them maybe put them on a, you know, performance improvement plan or whatever, because <laughs> you told them 10 times, turn off the light, right? 
we we put in this switch. So it's it's an easy thing. And and I think sometimes with some of those things, it they're running in and out so quick, yeah. you know, they're not thinking. So to try to find a solution and everything doesn't have to be a you know, this is war and this is it. There there are some things when it comes to safety and other right. things that you can't have any but a lot of times if you look, there's another solution and it doesn't always have to be the way we always did it. Yeah, and I and I think I think that's I think that's part of the responsibility of, of managing people. You could make every single thing that goes on in the shop, you know, an element. Makes no sense. If you can fix it and resolve it without making it a big deal, fix it. Just do it. You know, I mean you, you know, I, I often hear, because I'm in a lot of the, the, the forums for, for technicians and shop owners and stuff like that, and one of the things that we hear about is, is people spending so much time in the bathroom. That's simple. Just put a motion sensor in there with a short timer on it. The lights go off. Oh, now I'm in the dark. Now what do I do? <laughs> you know. The bathroom thing is so funny that when I first started hearing that, and and again across all industries, not just yeah. ours, and I'm like, what? Are, what all? Because I everybody now is gluten free and no peanuts and all of these things, and not saying that that's not real or whatever. I know I'm going to start yeah, getting sure. hate mail. It, you know, some people really have it, um, whatever. But it's like all these things that all you know is like the new thing, and it's like how is everybody now? What are we eating or what did they put in the food now that everyone has to spend all of this extra time in the restroom? And I was talking to somebody about it and I'm like, why? What is this? Another something diet crate? I don't know. And they said, no, they bring their phones in. And I'm like, what? And they said, yeah, they bring their phones in there. And so they're sitting in there on the phone. And I was like, but then they touch the phone but that that's another whole other well, remember these, these are people that have been eating sandwiches with grease on their hands for years <laughs> so it doesn't matter this is true but maybe the phone in the restroom would be a whole other podcast episode <laughs> of the, the pros and cons of, <laughs> of getting your morning news while you're you're uh, I, I just and i just thought it was hilarious that this is now a new thing, you know, without all the other things going on that you have to deal with as a business owner. But now you have to monitor, you know, if you're taking your phone in there, you know, this is a whatever minute. It's crazy. I wonder if they can put, it would be great if when you walked into work, there was like a timer that you could set for kids that automatically when you walked in the business, like the phone times out after two minutes (laughs) of screen time or some three. So (laughs) But that all comes down to culture, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> it does. And maybe you can provide a nice, comfortable break room where they want to sit on their phone instead of yeah. in the restroom. There's, there there's some Make it more enticing. That's right. Yeah. Put little spikes on the toilet seat or something. Yeah, yeah something. Something that shoots. The water that shoots up. Water that shoots up. Yeah, after and, you sit down for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then eject button. You get a big... Uh, Geyser, is that with the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah geyser yeah. shoots you off. Yeah, you probably have handprints on <laughs> <laughs> Well, this short took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> it did. <laughs> In the wrong direction. <laughs> I just, I can't believe that, like, the things that we're dealing with today. It, you know what I mean? Just that. Just <laughs> that so and so now that i'm chuckling and i'm probably not gonna be able to be serious for the rest of the day um al do you have any closing things or anything you want to say to our listeners and viewers 
the the only thing that I would say, it, it, and, and, and it, it, it's done well for me over the years, um, was to learn patience. We ha- we have a group of people coming into the workforce that are described by us very much as we were described by our parents and the generation before us. And um, I'm not had, taking that rap. No, no, you're not taking no. that. Okay, but if we take in that, if we take and take the time and the patience to work with these people, some of them are going to be very, very good and capable in our industry. And uh, that's really what it is. Get involved, find out what makes them tick and um, help them achieve it and just be patient. They're going to make mistakes. Crying out loud, we all made mistakes. And um, if, we, if we remember that, if we work with that, um, I think things really do bode well for our industry in spite of what we hear in the public about the, the next generation. So that's really all I got. It's wonderful. I'm not going to say anything to disturb what you just said. It's <laughs> very eloquent, Al. Very eloquent. But everybody, thank you for joining us today. It is uh, wonderful here. So beautiful. I hope it's wonderful where everybody else is. And stay safe, make good choices, and stay inspired. And I'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.